Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Mark Locklear. Hello from Asheville. We also have Jeremy Smith. Hey, everybody. Have we had both of you on before? I know we've had one of you on before, but... I have been on before. I think it was maybe last last year sometime. Earlier, maybe yeah. a year ago. Yeah. And this is this is uh, appearance number three for, for me. I did, uh, when I did Learning Rails 5 for O'Reilly, I think we talked about that. Then, oh, nice. and did I nice. think I did the developer uh, story, my, 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 my developer story. So... Cool. Yeah. Is yeah, there an I award I get? Is, is is there an award I get or something I can put put on my wall for <laughs> n- number three or I don't know. Yeah, you should yeah, make make that happen. Yeah, I should hand out box. awards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 working on setting up suggestion box right now, actually, for people okay. who want to uh suggest guests or topics. But yeah. Oh nice. Well yeah. we'll give you an award of I've been on almost as many times as DHH. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're, you guys are organizing a conference, and uh, Valentino thought it was a good idea to have you on and talk about it. And I thought, oh, yeah, I, I've got a ton of questions. And then he bailed on me, so I get asked my <laughs> questions. Um, That's perfect. Yeah, we'll, yeah well, um, organizing a conference is something that I've wanted to do for a while. And to be perfectly honest, I've done probably a couple dozen online conferences. And so, anyway, I'm. I'd love to just uh, dive in and, you know, we can talk about what some of the differences are, but also just, yeah, where the idea came from, things like that. I think, I think Valentino sent me a copy of a tweet or something. Do you guys want to talk about where the idea came from and then we can kind of just work from there? Sure. Yeah, I can start with that, Mark. Um, So let's see. So our conference is called Blue Ridge Ruby. Uh, It's in Asheville, North Carolina. It'll be June eighth, eighth and ninth. That's a Thursday, Friday, and it's a two-day single-track conference. There'll be ten speaking slots. Um, Asheville is a fantastic mountain town in Western North Carolina. Great beer, great food, um, lots of music, lots of outdoor activities, and we're planning, in addition to the conference, to have some optional weekend stuff that people can stick around and do as well. And a big part of it is. Certainly learning and getting, you know, just uh, making professional connections in the conference, but also just making friends and having time Uh with people in a cool town. And Asheville is one of my favorite places. Uh, I actually live an hour south. Uh, Mark lives just outside of Asheville. It's it's fantastic. A lot of people come to Asheville for, you know, vacations or it's a huge like wedding destination. And it's, it's just a great town. So I feel like it's a perfect place to have a have a small regional conference. Yeah. And my role was nice. just really, my, mine is one to support Jeremy. He, uh, we followed one another on, we follow one another on Twitter and he sent out a tweet, uh, you know, about a year ago or so now. And just, um, you know, asked what people thought about, um, you know, putting on a conference in Asheville. And I, you know, I'm sort of like, I'm sort of like you, Chuck. I, I, thought about it before but i'm like yeah there's just no there's just no way i want to go there and i'm not tied in although that's probably an excuse more more than the truth i'm not i feel like i'm not as tied in to the community uh you know i've I've got an eight-year-old uh daughter and so like a lot of conference stuff stopped for me around that time in addition to covid so really those things are excuses more than anything but certainly when i saw 
Jeremy's tweet, I, I immediately sent a tweet back and said, hey, I, 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 I'm here to help in any, any way you can or any way I can. And um, so after a few months, he contacted me again. We did a Zoom chat. He came into town. We talked more. And so uh, that's that's sort of what brought us to, to where we're at now. Nice. Yeah. Well, I have to say that uh, when I first got into programming and Ruby, um, there was a local conference called Mountain West Ruby Conference. Okay, uh, yeah. It was put on by Mike Moore. He he just lives 20 minutes, half hour from here. And uh, yeah, uh, it seemed like there were a lot of the regional conferences. And I don't know if it was COVID that changed it. It feels like it was kind of mm-hmm. uh, slipping off um you know the, yeah there were tapering fewer, down fewer of them yeah a little bit i actually have been looking at uh you know rubyconferences.org if you go uh-huh. back and look at past conferences they start in 2014 that was the highest number at 49 if you just look at the total listings they had they had 49 right. listings of conferences or and that might be even just like one day uh one day events and stuff but mm-hmm. as a rough measure there's 49 uh, in 2014 and it's kind of tapered off since then, but not like even right. So right before COVID it was still, I think in the forties. Oh, really? uh, low. Yeah. I think it might've been like 40, but then yeah, 2019, 2020, uh, they've been really down and then even 2022. Um, and so I'm hoping that things pick back up, but it definitely like, it just took a beating from that, you know? So I think, and I've even wondered if it's kind of like, you know, how in all these, I don't know about in your area, but we had like all these cool restaurants and things close mm-hmm. during COVID. They just never came yep. back. You know, the ones that are like, you're hoping they make it, you know, they just start and you mm-hmm. hope they make it. And then, you know, d- they get T-boned by it and then they just can't, can't survive. And right. I almost feel like there, there are so many things that got lost in that. And there's like, there needs to be this energy to kind of come back in and, and bring that back. And there's a loss, obviously restaurants is like a very minor loss. Right. So in big picture and conferences also like nothing, nothing is devastating as what a pandemic is. But, but in terms of like, there are all these other, there are all these other losses too. And conferences is one of them. And I think coming back maybe a year ago, I, I, I've never been to a lot of conferences really, but it was a, a year ago that I mm-hmm. really decided I wanted to, like I needed to, and I wanted to, and it was worth it to me to, to reinvest that way. So I ended up going to like four different conferences, uh, for Ruby and rails in 2022. Right. And I had such a great time by the end of the year, I was like, I got to do that. Like, I just, I've got to do something like this. Um, I want this for other people. And, um, there might be some conferences that just don't come back but I'm hoping other ones will take their place and I'm hoping more and more people will kind of step up to make them happen. Cause I think it's really important for our community. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think that's a good point, Jeremy, there is a vacuum somewhat now, right? I think with, and, and I mean, that's across the board, not just conferences, but whether it's restaurants, other places in the economy too. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. we'll, I'm hoping we're going to feel some of that, that, that void by having a uh, blue Ridge, Ruby and the fact that you know we've uh, Jeremy and I have talked about this some that you know in the southeast uh, of course Ruby mm-hmm. on Rails has been to Atlanta there they'll be there this spring and then they were there a few years ago but there's not a regular 
sort of Ruby or, or Rails focused conference in the Southeast anywhere. So I think I thought it was an opportunity to sort of feel feel that void too. Mm-hmm. There yeah. used to be like ancient city Ruby. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't been around for a while. And like the the Raleigh area, the research triangle area is like really big, but I don't think they've ever had a Ruby conference. So like if you think about big cities in our area, Atlanta, Raleigh, Durham, um, Charlotte, uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. They're, they're just, you're not seeing, uh, any conferences like that. And people, I'm sure there are people, there are Ruby devs here. I know there are. Um, yeah. So it's good to have, Mm -hmm. it's good to have something down here. Yeah. I, I have to say that, uh, I, I feel some of that. I've been actually doing a bunch of coaching. You can go apply, you get, uh, you can apply for coaching and then the way it works is I, I do like a half hour session with you just to see if I can help you out. And then we talk about options, but, um, I've talked to a whole bunch of people and they're trying to figure out how to move their career ahead. You know, how do I become a senior developer? How do I get a raise? How do I find a better job? How do I, um, stay current on what's going on? Things like that. And a lot of it is sort of, well, some of it's, you have to stay current on some of the ideas that are out there, which conferences are really great for. Um, and then the other one is, is you have to go out and meet people, right? Yeah. Because the way the way that you find the good jobs is you find the good developers who love their job and you go work with them. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, in, in a nutshell, right? And so, and, and most of those people are the people showing up to the conferences. Right. And I've been telling people, you know, yeah, find a conference you can go to, but I've also been people telling people to go find meetups and that's the mm-hmm. other thing that's the other end that has really just it's it's been rough for people yeah and big time yeah so I, I i feel that too um so yeah i love the idea um i think you guys need to put one out here in the mountain west as well because i, yeah. I miss them um <laughs> I've, I've been to a ton of conferences uh, a lot of the bigger conferences have actually so like microsoft and stuff They've paid me to, well, not paid me, but they paid my way in my airfare and hotel to come out to conferences and interview people at the conferences. So that's cool. I've been to a bunch, but the regional ones are just, they're way more fun because you, you, you meet somebody and you run into them in the hall later and, you know, it's not 75 zillion people. So yeah, that really hit me this past year. So I, that I never really understood that. Uh, but this past year, I went to to Jason Sweat's Sin City Ruby. He did uh-huh. like a, uh, I th- maybe a one time conference in Las Vegas. Yep. Uh, I found small. out about they that were... after he did it because it's oh, a yeah. four hour drive, five hour <laughs> oh, drive. Oh dang, yeah, it was great. I I saw that and I was like, oh, I'm doing this. Um, and I went, and it was maybe I I don't know forty five, fifty people, something like that. Um, I don't remember final numbers, but it was it was small. I met most everyone there and had great conversations with so many people and a lot of people that I wanted to meet, you know, people I'd been following on Twitter for years that had always wanted to have a conversation with. I got a chance to have that conversation. Then I go to RailsConf and it's over a thousand people and, you know, everyone's in masks and you can't tell if that's the, is that the Shopify group over there in, in a circle? You know, like, can I go talk to them? Can I even break in? You know, where do you go? Right it's so much easier in that small conference to like find people to talk to and stuff like that. And if I had started by going to a really big conference, I probably would have stopped. It would have been, it's just like really overwhelming. But because I made so many friends at the first conference, 
you get to the big conference and then you've got a bunch of people to say hi to again. Like, hey, I just, you know, we, we were just talking like a month or two ago. Great to see you again, you know? And then you've got another group to join. And for me, like as an introvert, that was like so helpful. It was just so helpful. So for people that are either first time conference goers, introverts, if you don't have a group to go with, going to a smaller regional conference is probably a better bet. Like you, it's not going to have the glamour of a really big conference, but you will more likely have good conversations, you know, make friends that, you know, will, you know, continue, you know, there's friendships that can continue on um, beyond just acquaintance. And, uh, and so I, I feel like that's, that's the angle. That's, that's, that's my tip for, for new conference goers. And it was also the thing that I want, like, I've just wanted to be able to provide to other people. Like that's, I want that same experience for other people. Chuck, right. I'm, I'm curious to hear, I, I love that idea. And I hadn't thought about that. Now it's, now it's making me think I'd love to do something like that at Blue Ridge Ruby of this idea of either interviewing or interview prep. What does that mm-hmm. look like at a con? Is it generally just new devs or do you find that even more experienced folks like the idea of having career counseling slash i don't know well what does that look look like right well uh the interviews that i've done are the podcasts is podcast interviews okay oh, those, um, okay but yeah you know i mean the slight misunderstanding i actually like that idea because um a lot of people are especially newer people they yeah. they just don't know what to expect or how to prep or anything like that and so you know if you had kind of a uh, a new programmers track or a new programmers. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna throw on these extra sessions or an evening session at a restaurant well, or something. I'm, where yeah, I'm thinking about even a space. Say, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about a, a space we yeah. set off to to the side, Jeremy, where we either you know we could do it during lunchtime or in between sessions. So that that's something we can uh, that's something we can explore and see uh, cuz like cool. say I'm curious certainly for new devs but I wouldn't be surprised if there'd be more experienced folks that um, cuz oftentimes maybe you're you're not afraid to ask technical programming type stuff but people are more reluctant often to ask about career counseling so, yeah. sort of things I love that idea for sure but yeah for the podcast interviews mm-hmm. they they usually just assign us a room um, yeah. the Microsoft ones they had Richard Campbell from .NET Rocks podcast actually doing the organizing as to which experts we would have the opportunity to talk to and stuff like that. And he was pretty good about knowing which topics we wanted to cover. So that's cool. But yeah, so so uh, let's say that I decide I want to revive a Mountain West Ruby conference. Now, Mike owns the rights to the name. He's not going to let me use it. I already <laughs> asked him. Right. So I'm going to yeah. name it something else. But let's say I, I come up with, you know, the best Salt Lake City Ruby conference in the world, um, you know, or whatever I'm going to call it. I mean, wh- what do you do now? Right. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll jump in real quick and then then, then, I, then I'll let Jeremy take over. I'll say, find, you know, that there's the, the first follower video that's out there. So I would say if you're the one that wants to put on the conference, find find the first follower and that that's been my my role here is that i i I feel like i'm jeremy's first follower here it was his uh, idea but he he has been Uh really great he's been really gracious about bringing me me in letting me handle certain things but not not like too too much so i would say find a sort of find a partner in crime would be be the first step yeah i definitely uh, would concur with that like mark 
it would be really hard. Like putting on a conference is really stressful. It's just really mm-hmm. like it's one of the more stressful things I've done. Maybe I just don't do a lot of stressful things, but this is up there with house renovation for me. Um, and that was over 10 years ago. And I'm, you know, like this, that's what I'm relating the stress to. And I kind of knew it was going to be stressful. Like, and I knew, I knew it would be, but like having somebody else to say, Hey, you're, it's going to be all right. We're going to figure this out. <laughs> you're going to be okay. Yeah. That, you know, like ha- you know, whatever the decision is, we're going to work through it. Um, that is so helpful. I, I need that for sure. And I can imagine a lot of other people would too. Um, maybe if you already are a pretty good decision maker and, you know, don't question your you know own decisions or like, you know, you've got a thick skin and you can kind of handle a lot of uh, either criticism or not worry about what people are going to think. Um, maybe that's a little bit easier. But for me, that's definitely like weighing on me, like in a, in a big way. Like I, I work I'm a consultant. I work with, uh, you know, small uh, companies mm-hmm. building their Rails apps. I I'm used to focusing on one client and how they right. what they care about, and all I have to do is make this one person happy. <laughs> with a conference, you've got to make like hundreds of people happy, and you don't know where the unhappiness is going to come from. Like, what are you going to do wrong that's going to really, you know, like either upset people or hurt people's feelings or really like put people out in different ways and it could be it could be just their perception but it could also be your bad decisions you know like or just things that just happen randomly that you're gonna have to deal with so all of that is just like yeah that all that to say like it's stressful it's really great to have a partner and i'm really glad for mark so yeah that's definitely step one that and Um, then i'll i'll follow up jeremy can talk more about this too is the um you know getting sponsors has been the next thing for us i mean jeremy's really stepped up up here and i mm-hmm. mean essentially he's sort of f- footing this thing out, out of pocket or at least he's made the commitment to to do it now the hope is that he w- won't ha- have to that's been the next step for us is um and i'll i'll just say one more thing on that and jeremy you can talk more about it but along mm-hmm. with that we've brought in we've got a pretty strong developer community here in Asheville. again as Jeremy said it's sort of a vacation destination, but there's a lot of remote devs there. There's not a lot of big tech, yeah. although there are a lot of tech folks here. We've got right. a local Slack. We've got a local Slack team, and um, there are probably a few hundred folks in there. Now, not all those folks are active, but anyway, we've recruited a handful of local folks that are inside that Slack team and sort of brought brought them in to help out as volunteers and th- things like that. So, big part of what we we're spending our time doing is reaching out to sponsors whether it's over twitter other you know email um mm-hmm. devs who are rails and ruby folks who work for companies that have other rails folks you know try, mm-hmm. try um having those folks contact reps in their company to see if they can get sponsorship so that that's been a big big part of our our focus yeah and right. related to that like you a big part of that is if you're just starting a new conference you are trying to build credibility with people. If they don't know who you are, and you know, I've I've been pretty relatively unknown. Um, you're you're asking companies. Well, you're asking anybody, like the attendees, the sponsors, the speakers. Every everyone's having to trust you. Um, and so, at least for me, that was like, okay, how do I, how do we represent ourselves, and how do we kind of uh, build build trust with sponsors who are going to, you know, hopefully. Uh, help us with with the bills and attendees who are going to have to 
put down money to to come. There's so many things like that. So yeah, I think a big part of it is like um, doing a good job with your branding, and th- like that was one of the first things um, I was focused on. Um, I do a lot of design work, so I built the built the site, um, but I focused heavily on that to make sure there was a high level of quality that people could feel, and um, be- because to m- kind of make up for the fact that no one knows who I am. So if I, you know, like. If 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 conferences are all about details, then showing people right off the bat that we're detail oriented really matters. I think so. I that's another piece of it. But then also like you're because this is new. You're we're basically selling ourselves. You know, trust Jeremy and Mark to do this well and not screw it up. And we're really going to try hard. But if you don't know us and we're just like a brand on the internet, you know, it's like what is that? So. That's, I mean, that's a big part of it. That's why it's important to even talk to you right now about this because that's kind of what it is. Like, please trust us. We want to put on a great thing, you know, for our community. It's hard. We're working at it, um, but it will require trust. There's, you know, it's not like RailsConf where you, you don't need to, you, you may not even know who the organizers are, but, you know, right. just, you know, it's been running for years, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to do a great job. And you know, I'm I'm being somewhat facetious. Obviously, you know, organizers are super important, and they do have a huge impact. But there's already a brand reputation that's built for long running conferences that we just don't have. So if you're starting something, you're selling yourself in a lot of ways to people. You have to market yourself. Yeah, and I, I would say quick too is you know yes, it's up to us. You know, you know, J- Jeremy and I to make it great. But I would tell others who plan to come, you're going to help make it great too, right? You're going to come and yeah. yeah, you'll be attending the sessions, but between sessions, after sessions, and if you stay and do other things during the, the weekend, we're, 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 we're working on trying to plan events that folks can, can go to, but the, the, the participants are going to help make things special too. Absolutely. It reminds me of that story, Stone Soup. I think about this, that story all the time. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like, you kind of create the container, but everyone else really, they're the ones that make it happen, right? We're creating a space and a container and hopefully doing a good job of taking care of all the details so that when people show up, all the magic can happen. All the good stuff can happen. Yeah, I mean, to me, it requires people. Yeah, to to me, Jeremy, too, it's like we're creating, we're, Hopefully, we're creating the environment so the magic can happen, right? We're we're not actually going to create the, yeah. the magic, but we're we're going to facilitate that. Yeah. Hopefully, we create an environment where other folks can, you know, help make the magic happen. Yeah, exactly. I've got a bunch of other random advice if you're interested. Um, well, one thing that I've been wondering about because, yeah. um, you know, running the online conferences effectively, right? You just set up your streaming talks you put it out there i've also done a summit where i pre-recorded all of the talks mm. basically they were they weren't talks they were interviewed so i interviewed a bunch of experts it was on podcasting not on programming but you know so you put that out there and you know kind of done right so then you pay any speakers who wanted to get paid um and then you're off to the races and that that's another thing that i'll ask you about in a minute but you know, finding a venue, a lot of times the venues want you to like book a certain number of hotel rooms. If you're doing a hotel, want catering, blah, blah, blah. Like how, how do you arrange something like that? Um, Mountain West Ruby conference, just contact. They did it in the Salt Lake library. And so they avoided a whole bunch of that stuff, but it was a rather small venue. It was the trade-off. 
And so they filled it all the way to the top every time because they would sell every seat in that auditorium and they probably could have filled it two or three times over the, the room. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, so my, I'll jump in and give, give Jeremy okay. a hard time real quick. Jeremy wanted a super nice venue. There was going to be no public library and anything like that. And, and, and it is though, it's really a cool venue. It's generally used as a, a you know, there's a lot of good independent uh, music that that's in Asheville. So the venue is often used as a, a sort of music venue but uh go ahead jeremy and t- tell them more more uh, about that yeah i was really i had my heart set on this theater that's so there's this masonic temple if you go to the blue ridge at you'll see a picture of the inside it's got this fantastic really beautiful theater uh in, in this historic um building and so kind of had my heart set on that i feel like th- that spaces like that do matter and, and do make a really big difference I don't know. Maybe it would have been better to go with like a cheaper, easier <laughs> one, but I felt like that would be a rad one to do. Um, so, but yeah, so venue is definitely important around venue. I would recommend um, finding a venue that has everything that you need, like chairs and AV. If you can, if, if the, the venue supplies all that, that makes a lot of things easier. Um, also, uh, what was I going to say? Food yeah, was, I mean, that's you know, one of the I'll first things real, you were going to do. Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll yeah, jump food, in real yeah, quick. Thanks. Yeah, food was another issue. I mean, the nice thing about this location is right da- downtown. There are a ton of eating spots. Um, so does that. And also, just just to to Jeremy's point about you know having a venue where a lot of the logistics are taken care of. Like I, you know, I'm I'm a part time instructor at the local community college here, and we sort of considered that. But a lot of that would have been left up to us to try and organize the spaces and the chairs this venue where the, the Masonic temple that we're, we're going to be in that they, they're a, I mean, that that's basically what they, they do uh, that they, they've got a full-time person there who, you know, does the scheduling sets all that up. And then they've got staff who does all those things for you. So the nice thing about choosing a venue like that is that we can focus on speakers and the tech stuff and all those things and know that, you know, the logistics, as far as the, the space we're going to be in chairs, the, a B stuff, sound, all all that stuff is going to be mm-hmm. taken care of for us. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. We also and, decided and, not to do lunch. Oh, I guess yeah, that that was the food thing. That was like one of the big things. When I've looked at other conferences, that's one of the the highest costs they have, and also one of the things that people either complain about or that doesn't come through the way they want it to. So it's like highest risk, highest cost, and, and, and I case, think it's cheap. Like, yeah, cheap or a free lo- location that we would we'll have looked at would have been would have definitely been outside of town somewhere. So that would have meant we yeah. we would have had yeah. to take care of that. We would have had to take care of that. And also, I'll mention the travel part too. That when you're nice thing about being downtown Asheville, close to hotels and lodging. So ideally, yeah. folks who are coming in from out of town, they can fly in, they can take and a shuttle or an Uber from the airport into town. And then they can spend really all of their their time there. They can walk from their hotel to the yeah. venue, so that that takes care of that that piece of things too. Yeah, we had that with Mountain Rest Ruby Conference as well. They didn't provide any meals, but it was downtown Salt Lake at the library, and so there was a ton of stuff for people to go eat at and and stuff. And then one of the other benefits is that uh, Matt is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints whose oh, yeah. headquarters is in Salt Lake. That's right. And so um, there were a couple of years where Mike essentially planned the 
the conference right around the church's general conference. Huh. And so Matt's was more than willing to come out because <laughs> they helped him with the travel and then he could come out for the religious services and then oh, go that's funny. back. Yeah, and so that's smart. Right. And so there there are there are definitely reasons, but yeah, for the food, yeah, just having it downtown that worked out great. And so people would just go do their thing and then come back. Yeah. That's yeah, that that takes care of a huge aspect, you know, all the different uh food requirements that people have. Um and just yeah, the the potential for complaints or just issues around food. Yeah, just being able to eliminate a lot of that. We'll still have like drinks and snacks, but it won't be the same way, you know, it won't be the same scale and won't be as as stressful, hopefully, around that part. Uh another thing that I'd recommend or at least it was a surprise to me when we first launched the site, we didn't have a CFP open. I, I thought we were going to have to um, kind of just go around and beg speakers to come. And we are, we are asking a few speakers uh, that we want to personally invite, but almost immediately people were saying, where's the CFP? Do you have a CFP open? And I was like, Oh, I guess we have to have a CFP. Like, and then sure enough, we're getting a lot of great, like CFP like talk proposals. It's been fantastic. Um right. been really happy about it. We've got another let's see we closed in a week and uh but we've already got we've gotten plenty of really great mm-hmm. proposals. So I'm very happy about that and that's w- one thing I would have done right from the get-go instead of waiting. Um and it, I just didn't I didn't know that that would be one of the easier parts. Um it's not What did you not, use? Google Forms. <laughs> I mean, I've yeah. done that. Yeah. Um, I so I was trying to put on an online Ruby conference and an online JavaScript conference, and the issue I ran into, I tried to use the Ruby Central CFP app. Mm, yeah, and it, it just started acting up on Heroku for no reason. So, oh dang! You know, like the simple thing I've done Google Forms in the past works fine. Yeah. Right. Because it puts it into a spreadsheet, so then you just add your, you know, let everybody vote on it who's going to vote mm-hmm. on it, and then you pick your talks. Yeah. Or if you're the one picking all the talks, then you just tell people they're accepted. Right. Yeah, no, we're, I think it's going to be a mix. Um, there's a certain aspect, I don't know, speaker selection is such a tricky thing. There's so many mm-hmm. aspects that you want to get right with it. Right. We, I want our volunteers to be a part of the process. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll end up being, uh, I think Mark and I is this, you know, our decision about who, who those, you know, final slots go to. And we're trying to get a hit a wide range of interests of diversity and backgrounds, um, even of experience with speaking, like it matters to get some, some speakers that everyone knows because people are, Oh, so-and-so speaking, I'll go. Right. But it's also important to have speakers that are are new to you know newer to speaking. I want to we want to elevate voices and new voices and and uh, like so trying to get that right, especially if it's a single track, that actually feels really challenging. I thought that was going to be, I thought that would be it was. I thought we just we were going to be, um, you know, begging to get ten slots filled. Now I'm thinking, oh man, how do we like balance this really well and get you know, get this variety in the, in the ways that, that are going to be most beneficial to attendees, to the speakers themselves and to the Ruby community. Um, so it's a good, it's a good problem, but it's still a hard problem. And, uh, yeah, it's challenging. That's one of the, the definitely a challenging part of it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, one thing that I've run into as well is uh, some of the speakers that we reached out to for the conference, you know, before before the CFP kind of fell apart on us, was um, some of them wanted to be paid. And so yeah. trying to figure that out, okay, you know, where's this money going to come from? You know, is it going to come out of ticket sales? Are we going to have sponsors? Am I just going to have to eat it? And so that was another thing. Did Do you run into that a lot or? Yeah. So I asked around a bunch about that. Um, and so to be clear, we've got 10 speaking slots, but no. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I just blanked on it. Um, keynotes? No keynotes. Thank you. I just blanked on the word. We're not going to do any keynotes. Keynotes are the usually... Okay, so at least from what I've learned in the Ruby yeah, community... Keynotes are usually the ones you pay for. Yeah, and so they range from... Pe the people I've talked to, they range from 2000 up to 5000 is what I've heard. I've heard numbers in, in that range. And right now, like I've got a baseline budget that I have to hit uh, to be viable. And I just could not commit to that kind of, you know, that kind of money. Uh -huh. So I already knew I wanted to, to do, um, some kind of honorarium for speakers. Right. Um, and so I looked at like what RubyConf is doing and, and they do, uh, like I went to RubyConf mini and they did a $500 honorarium. Mm -hmm. And that seemed, I talked to some other people and I said, yeah, that's sort of typical. So I'm committing to that. I want to make that. I know that, I, that doesn't even cover. I know it doesn't cover travel no. and accommodations for a speaker. So that sucks. And I hate that, but I want to at least make some effort there. I need some baseline of commitment to say, we really appreciate you. You're doing great. Thank you so much. But I couldn't go to the next level of also, you know, uh, doing keynotes at that level of, of expectation. And I don't want to like, I don't want to ask someone you know, to come do something like that for free. You know, like that's, that's just what the expectation is. So I, I felt like the best thing to do this time around, at least was to kind of just leave it out. Maybe, maybe if we, you know, maybe if it's different next time, maybe we could add that, but that was a way to cut, cut some, some of our expenses at least. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's interesting not doing the keynotes um, on the remote conferences. I mean, we kind of did it, but I would usually just kick it off with my best known speakers and round the day out with another well-known speaker. Yeah. And without necessarily calling it a keynote. And typically yeah. their talks didn't follow because the keynotes also tend to follow a certain format and cadence. And yeah. since their talks were more just the, hey, this is a technical talk about a thing I'm doing, that, that worked out great. Um. I am looking, I think we'll be looking for some talks that might be bigger picture, like more Ruby community related mm -hmm. or things like that, that could start and end to kind of frame, hopefully, you know, some framing talks that kind of set the stage for what we want and kind of close things out in a, in a good way. But yep. even if we have a lack of that, there's an opportunity for Mark and I to hopefully, you know, it's a small conference, hopefully we get a chance to kind of set the stage as well for what we hope the the two days to be, you know, and what we hope this um, this space will be for people. So yeah, I think I that mean, can, so, you know, something kind of aspirational is is sort of why I, I like the idea of having an a aspirational talk, you know, as a, either a starting or a bookend to a conference. So we'll see. We've we've back we've, we've already got some. We're looking at some of the talks, the submissions that we've got some that that might that might work for that. So I think even in the absence of a key keynote, we'll store, we'll still be able to sort of have right. that, um, you know, have those starting and the ending talks that will sort of fit, fit within that context. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of talked a bit about like venue and, and honorariums and things like that. So, um, at the end of the day, I'm a little curious, what does your budget look like? Or how, do, how would I figure out what my budget should look like? Maybe <laughs> is a better question, right? I'm going to pull up my budget because I can't remember what my numbers are. <laughs> he has $100,000 that he's going to commit to. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. I wish no. I had rich friends no, like Mark he does. does. Not <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, okay, so... I... Right now, my base... So I have a baseline budget that doesn't cover things like video production, right. swag, um, banners and decorations, things like that. But my baseline is... And this also doesn't... So I need to figure out... In, I'm still working on event insurance. That's a thing I need to tackle here shortly. I don't know what that's going to even look like. I'm kind of scared to find out. But venue, um, lanyards, drink snacks, speaker honorarium, speaker dinner... And logo and branding work, I'm looking at around sixteen, seventeen thousand um, for that. Um, and, and we should check. And you then know, we, my stretch goals. Well, I was going to say mm-hmm. we should check with the venue about the insurance thing, Jeremy. I hadn't thought about that, but lots of times, the, and, I, and you, no, you they, may they have did recommend already. It. Yes, they they recommended. They had a uh, a place to get insurance. Okay, um, so we, however. We so one of the tricks is we're also doing these Saturday activities and mm-hmm. we're saying, Hey, come, you know, come hike with us, you know, to a, to that a waterfall a lot, or a, that, that come be a tour lot, liability. the Biltmore yeah. house with us mm-hmm. that, yeah. So I've got to figure those parts out. I don't know what, what to do about that yet. I would hope, I wish that, that we didn't have to worry about that, but I've got to figure that out and make sure that we're, we're going to waiver on that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that yeah. helps. That definitely helps. No, yeah, I don't know yeah, that it'll yeah. be enough, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at, and then like video production is going to be seven to eight grand. You know, um, mm-hmm. you, you we keep adding other things. So I really would like to do video production, but as of yet, we don't have the ticket sales or the sponsors to cover that. So I need right. to hit our ba- baseline. And if we get the sponsors that we need or have the ticket sales that we need, we'll, we'll be able to do that. That would be my next thing. So it's more like almost like stretch goals. We've got like the space level. And as long as we can do, you know, X above that, we'll, I'll, I'll do the next level. Um, but we're, you know, I'm committing to the base level, even at a, you know, at a potential loss and hopefully not. I don't, I don't think it'll be that way. We're still like three months out and I feel like we've had good feedback from people online, from, from you know speakers from attendees and that sort of thing so um but that part is still uh is scary <laughs> and, and, and like that you know ha- having the budget in place and having those stretch goals has been like i've used that sort of as a marketing tool for some of the sponsors that i'm talking with some of the larger mm-hmm. some of the larger companies that that support ruby and rails i've used for instance the the video part you know i've made that specific plea that hey we 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 don't have video recording in place at the time, but you know if you'll if you'll be a Ruby sponsor for us, then we can, um, you know we can negotiate either have your your logo on some of the, the the video or you know so I've sort of used that as a pitch to try try and get you know high higher level sponsorship. I've also and, talked to people that have run conferences that have had, so for example, you said swag right uh, is one of the things that you didn't have in there, and I've I've had people say, you know, I, I let the sponsor sponsor the swag. 
or let the sponsor sponsor the lanyards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm okay with some of that, but there's also certain things that I feel a little bit maybe anal about. Like I want it to be done in a certain way, or like mm-hmm. so I want to make sure. Like if we do shirts, I have a certain way I want to do shirts because I see. Right. I- I'd rather I, not. I, I had a wild, wacky idea. Else. Yeah. See, I, I had a wild, w- wacky idea about shirts, Chuck. And Jeremy was like, "No, he <laughs> shut that down right quick." So, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I don't mean to be that way, but I. No, there no, are some no, things that keep, I want like, to feel though. a little bit anal about. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, th- those are kind of the things that I, that I'm just like I don't I don't know how to do, um, but. The other thing is, is I'm also aware that there are a lot of other aspects to this that I, I don't know about. So, so yeah. So what are some of your other tips, tricks, random thoughts that, you know, somebody might be going, Hey, you know, I want to organize this conference and they're going to, they're going to run into this wall if you don't warn them off. Yeah. If it's your first time, uh, don't, uh, don't commit yourself to a block rate for a hotel. Um, they with if you want to do if you want a hotel block rate you're going to be committing yourself probably to 80 percent capacity so Mm -hmm. if you if people don't come and fill fill that you will be paying the rest of that bill so if you're on a budget just don't do it just tell people here are the good hotels to go to you know give them a couple options and let them pick it's not people don't people would rather have like one hotel that one hotel everybody's gonna be at but and they would like, you know, hopefully like a discount, but it's just, that's really difficult to pull off if you're on right. a, on a shoestring budget. Um, I think it really helps to use Twitter for promotion. Um, uh-huh. That has been really big. And if you're not using Twitter already, then you probably want to be using it well ahead of starting a conference so that you have a network to tap into. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a huge network. But it's better than it was even a year ago. And I think that's really helped. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're going to conferences, a lot of a lot of the people that I met and made friends with at conferences have been very supportive and very uh just been very encouraging and helpful in promoting uh this conference. So go to conferences, make lots of friends, and tell your friends what you're planning to do. And I've just found that so many people are supportive of that. That has been one of the biggest encourage encouraging aspects of it is just how many people are um just like backing you up on that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and wanting to see see things like that go well and that that's meant a lot and so do that ahead of time so that you're you're ready and have have those people you know to to lean on and to ask ask for help um from uh, the marketing, yeah, the marketing and promotion is a, is a huge, is a huge thing. And again, it goes back to people are having to trust you. And so don't hide behind a brand when it's just you, uh, be the, be the person that's making those connections to, uh, speakers and to sponsors and everybody else. And, and um, doing, and I don't do, know if I said this already, but. Mm. I was going to say, just do, doing, doing what we're do, doing now. We did the, we did the Ruby on Rails pop podcast, uh, couple of weeks ago but getting the word mm-hmm. out that that's sort of free pr- promotional stuff that you can do that d- d- you know it's, it's time but it, it, it doesn't cost me anything to to do yeah right no we really appreciate that that's 
that's a huge thing. Like being able to talk about what we're, what we're doing in the community. Twitter's a great place, but obviously like being able to come on Ruby Rogues is like a fantastic way to be able to tell other people about what we're doing. So yeah, absolutely. And then I'd say having a team too. We've got like, we've, again, we've, uh, you know, Jeremy reached out to folks on Twitter. There was a bunch of response there. And then again, our local, you know, group too, we, we've got a handful of folks. So we've got a little weekly, we've just sort of, we got a standing, we've got a standing weekly meeting in place on Fridays where even if there's not something specific, we're going to talk about, we'll just take 30 minutes and check in there, get up to date on any, uh, on any sponsors that folks might be contacting. If there's any issues that again, it's a good spot for, if Jeremy's trying to make some heavy decisions about things, it's just a good sounding board for him to be able to say, Hey, I was contacted by this person about that. What do you guys think Mm -hmm. about it? So it feels more like a team rather than just maybe, you know, either Jeremy by himself or even just myself and, and Jeremy having, you know, three, four or five folks there Mm -hmm. feels more like we, we, we've got a team in place. Yep. I would also say like, I don't know how other conference organizers do this, but you got to budget regular time every week to work on this. I've been tracking my time so far in February, and I'm coming in at around eight to 10 hours a week on average for the conference. And maybe that will taper down. I don't know if it will, but that's where I'm at right now. And it was probably higher when I was working on building the site and getting those things set up. So right. um, it takes a good amount of time. Thankfully, I... I do um, like fractional retainer contracts. One of one of the uh, retainers I had just wound down. I, I wasn't planning to fill all my capacity and just you, I was planning to budget like 10 hours a week from here till June to work on this. And thankfully I can do that. I don't know how you do it if you have a full-time job and like a family and stuff like right. that. Thankfully I've, I can like, I have this during my work day, uh, you know, budgeted through, you know, through June. Um, and can kind of do that but yeah make sure that you've got enough time to commit to it or figure out a way to you know split that with other people and that sort of thing but there's so many little decisions like there's so many like just surprising things that keep coming you know like you you think it's like okay we got this one thing set but then there's just like a million decisions behind that like you set the venue but then there's a million decisions about which tables to use for this you know the sponsor area and um you know, like going through all the details around their Wi-Fi and their AV setup and like just so many things, right? So it's just surprising and having enough margin in there so that you, when those things hit you, you've got capacity for it, I think is really important. Um, And for me, like I am a big picture person and to do details, which I do for my, you know, like I I build web apps. So like you got to be detail oriented in that sense, but I'm big picture and to do details well, I have to keep going back over the details over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And that's the way I've got to do it, which is why it's really helpful to have a weekly stand-up. Mark was talking about, we basically sit down for 30 minutes and say, what's happened this week? What are we working on? What are the, you know, and that's being able to go through those details over and over again helps me make sure I'm not losing anything. Because you know, I've already been surprised by a couple of things. I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. So that's just going to happen. So the more you go over it, the better you're going to be at catching all those little details. And then you need the capacity to like, to be able to respond to those. The other thing that's, that's really difficult for me, thinking about just a work mentality. Most of my day as a developer is spent in deep work. You know, I, I don't have a lot of meetings. I don't have a lot of 
emails or unless I get on Slack, if I could stay off, I don't, I'm not involved in a lot of conversations. So I can get a lot of deep, you know, work done on projects. But this aspect has been like so many little things, right? So many like uh, connect with this person over Twitter DM, email this person back. Oh, I need to respond to this. Someone just slacked me, you know, like all these different things. And it's all these little uh, conversations that you're trying to move just inches further, right? You can't ever, mm-hmm. there's all these open loops and you can't close them all there. <laughs> they just keep coming back around and you're just like moving the ball forward a little bit for each one of them. So you're changing context all the time. And that is really challenging. Like I find that to be really draining, exhausting. Um, so I'm not getting as much deep work as I normally get. Mm-hmm. And as, but it has to be done. It's just, it's a very different kind of work than I'm used to doing. Um, so just know that's what you're getting into, I guess. <laughs> so what, what are you working on now? Like what's, what's next? Oh, current stuff. What are we looking at? Um, oh, the, one of the big things is sponsorships continuing to work on that. That that opens the doors for many other things, you know. Right. Like, I've got I've got somebody who I want to do our our video stuff, but we we need the sponsors ahead of that. There, right. yeah. So there there are things like that that have to be done. Um, our CFP closes next Wednesday. We need to work uh, in the next couple of days to figure out how the how to include our volunteers in a way that makes sense, that is gives them an opportunity to have feedback into. And, and re- into our review process and then plan that so that we can make our final choices and then go out, you know, to our speakers and say, okay, are you still good? Is, will this work for you? And then, you know, like have all that done and then start announcing. So we're planning to announce speakers starting May- March 15th. So we've got two, two weeks in there to, you know, make our selections speak, you know, talk to the speakers, make sure they're on board and then start announcing them. And yep. that's also when our, early bird registration closes March 15th. So there's quite a bit to do between now and then. And then I imagine that is also going to be another kind of big push in terms of uh, our ability to start doing more marketing and stuff like that. Because it's hard to it's harder to have things to say until we know who our speakers are and what their topics are. But as soon as you have that, you have a lot more to say on social media um, or in email uh, newsletters and that sort of thing. So we'll be able to... Ha- have, we'll have more content available to start marketing that either to the people that are attending or people that might attend. Um, so we've got that'll be a big push then. I guess the other thing that I've run into is sometimes I with the remote conferences, I've actually had to postpone a couple of them because mm-hmm. I set the timeline too short to launch them. Mm-hmm. So um, and in the past, I just put it up and it would all kind of come together. But it looks like it seems like it's more work now to make it run. Um, so I'm wondering on your end, like how ha, being where you are now, how far out would you schedule the conference? Like if you're looking at doing a conference and you're like, I want to run it as soon as possible, would you wait six months, three months, eight months, 10 months? I would say minimum six months. Okay. I don't, I mean, this is still my first time. Maybe it's easier than that. You like, if, if you're a first timer, maybe if you've yeah. done this before and you have everything kind of set, but the first time you're like, oh, how am I going to do this? Oh, how am I going to do that? Oh, how are we going to do this? Like, it's all these brand new challenges you get to solve for the first time, right? There's a bunch of stuff that if we did it again, especially if we use the same venue, it would just be, it would fall into place, right? So, but if it's your first time, 
boy, you've got a bunch of decisions ahead of you. You probably need six months. And, and I mean, really, you need really people, almost you need eight. To build awareness. Yeah, you know, really almost eight months. Yeah, because I, I guess we, we started be talking. I mean, we started talking back in when was that? October, no, November, something like that. A, yeah, October, November, and then something like January that. January yeah. is when we really, I think, we we got together and chatted. You know, right after the first year, and we sort of decided. You sort of decided, okay, yeah, we're we're going to definitely do it. I said, okay, yes, I'm definitely going to su support you. So that was the six month mark. But really, it was you know we were, we yeah. were sort of maybe making some plans and having conversations about, about it prior to that. That might be yeah. different if it was a one day event or, you know, if, if you didn't have other aspects like that, like if, you know, but if it's, if it's two days, there's hotel, there's travel, people on site, you know, lots of speakers. Um, if you need sponsorship, all those things just add a lot of extra time. Yeah. I'm also wondering, like, is there, is there somebody you're getting advice from to start and run a conference or? Yeah. Oh, I, maybe I didn't say this already, but yes. Uh, talk to other conference organizers. Uh, I have talked to a bunch of people. Uh, talked to, let's see, Andy Kroll, Jason Charns, um, Jim Isroff, Emily Samp. Um, I just talked to uh, Todd Lewis, who does all things open in Raleigh. Talked to him this week. Um, Every time I talk to somebody new, I get something out of like something new out of right. it. So every person has this different perspective and they remember, you know, they remember different keys and, or I, I bring up something that was different. And every time I've learned something valuable that I really needed to know. So I think that's huge. I've been so thankful to all the organizers who've been willing to give me like 30 minutes to an hour of their time. Like that's been so helpful. It's also, um, so there's the knowledge side of it. There's also the um, sort of the emotional support side of it, which is like, you're doing great. You're going to, you know, you're, you're, this is, we've did it. You're going to, you're going to be okay. You know, that kind of just like the support around, like, it's going to be all right. You're doing a brave thing. This is, this is hard. Uh, you're going to get through it. That really, th that really helps. Um, I really, I personally need that. Um, that's very reassuring, especially w when, you know, I get focused on one, one specific problem that I'm like, how are we going to figure this out? Like, this is so stressful. Knowing ever, other people have figured it out and that they're supportive really matters. Um, so I definitely recommend reaching out to people if you know them, especially, but I found even people that I didn't really know very well were really, were willing to talk to me. And that was, that's been, yeah, just such an encouraging thing. So if people want to come to Blue Ridge Ruby conference or if they want to volunteer or speak or, you know, like how how do they how do they connect with you guys? Yeah, uh, BlueRidgeRuby.com. That's our site. Uh, we've got a good amount of information. Not speakers yet listed yet. That'll be a three more weeks. But uh, the venue, the the town, kind of the basics about the conference, where to where to get a hotel, how, travel, all that kind of stuff is there. Uh, we've got early bird ticket sales right now for two forty nine. That's until March fifteenth. Uh, you can also there uh, submit our, to our CFP. Um, that's until next week, next Wednesday. I don't know when uh, when this episode will drop, but um, we're closing March first, and then we'll announce speakers March fifteenth. And if you're a, if you're interested in sponsoring, there's a sponsorship page with all our packages. Uh, definitely want to connect with uh, with you if if you're interested in that. Um, 
What else? We also have thinking? scholarships. Oh, we have, uh, oh yeah, yeah. We we have uh, ten uh, first come first serve uh, scholarship tickets that we're making available to people. You know, uh, educate. You know, educational or people based on need. Um, we'd love to see more, uh, especially early Rubius um, coming to the conference. Um, so there's a place to apply for that. Uh, and then we're also on Twitter and Ruby Social with the Blue Ridge Ruby um, uh, handle. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and go into our next segment. Um, one segment we added since you guys have been on um, is the self-promo segment. Um, and it's just, hey, this is what I'm working on that people should know about. And we've kind of done that for the conference, but um, you guys are welcome to talk about anything else you guys are working on. I'm actually just going to jump in and go first. Sure. Um, so two things that I've been working on, and I'll keep it real short. One of them is, is I'm getting ready to actually launch my um, uh, MVP course, the Most Valuable Programmer course. Um, and effectively, it's going to be a masterclass on how to uh, get the most out of your career. Um, and when I talk about get the most out of your career, effectively, when I talk to people who I think of at this level, they're getting paid really well to work on really interesting projects. Uh, they're in high demand and are recognized experts, right? And so that's what I'm going to teach you to do. I'm going to teach you how to get to that point, you know, and sure, I mean, that you're going to have to do some work to get there, right? But um I can show you a lot of the shortcuts. You don't have to go figure it out on your own. Um, I'm probably going to sell it as I, because I'm I'm starting working on the course, but I'll probably do pre-sales. And based on whatever percentage I have done, you'll get it for that percentage of the full price, which is going to be, uh, it's going to be a high ticket uh, course, right? Like a full-on bootcamp. So, um Keep an eye out for that. I'll probably tweet about it once I have the the sign-up page up. But that's one thing I'm working on. And the other thing I'm working on is I've actually uh, put together a page for um, uh, episode recommendations. So you can come in and you can re- recommend a, a person or a topic or, you know, whatever, right? You can ask a question you want us to answer on the show. And... Um, then you can also come if you don't have an idea, but you want to see what people are suggesting you can come and you can upvote them. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's just something that we're, um, I've had a lot of people ask me for that. And so I'm putting that together. Um, and then I'm also launching the catapult your coding career. So I said two and I gave you three. Um, and that, that's a podcast on the kinds of things I'm going to be teaching in that MVP course. But effectively, we're just going to answer questions that people have. So I'll start out with questions I've been getting in my coaching calls, right? And I'll just be a little bit hand-wavy about who it is, right? Because I don't want to violate anyone's privacy. But a lot of questions are questions that I get from a variety of people. And uh, then I'll have a recommendation board for that as well. And you can come in and you can ask the question you want me to answer in the show. Um, And then occasionally, I think I'll have some guests on that can talk about... um, publishing a book with a traditional publisher or maybe I'll have you guys on to talk about organizing a conference or stuff like that. So that's what I'm working on. Uh, either of you have things you're working on you want people to know? Yeah, I've got something. Um, so if you are into Rails and indie business, my friend Jess Brown and I just started the Indie Rails podcast. We're This is my first time uh, dipping my toes into a podcast. Um, 
We just interviewed Joe Mazzalotti of Rails Devs last week. It was really great talking with him. Um, it feels like we've gotten a lot of just a lot of uh, great feedback from from the community so far. So if you're into like independent business plus Rails, this is kind of like that's our scene. That's what we're going for. So we're on all the major podcasting platforms as well as IndieRails.com. I have a pet project that I started a couple months ago, have not done a ton of work, but I'm excited about the idea. And if anyone would love to partner with me on that, I would be happy to have you work with me on it. It is the idea for it is I'm a registered independent. And I was thinking like, how do I know whether someone, a politician is independent or or not, right? There's all these right-leaning sites and left-leaning sites. You can tell how conservative someone is and how liberal they are, but there's really no way to tell like if someone's independent or not. And so I, that, that was the sort of impetus for the idea. Uh, ProPublica Pro has a congressional API, and you can pull all kinds of robust data from that. Every single bill that goes to the House and the Senate floor, all the discussion, how people voted on it, and then there's all kinds of little neat little tidbits of data and things like, like that there. So my the idea is, and I, I've toyed around with all kinds of names for a website. Are they independent? Are you independent? I, I, so I, 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 that that's still so. If you if you if you work with me on this, you can help name the uh, website. <laughs> that that's one nice. perk. But I, I've started. I've got the. I've sort of got the guts of a Rails app in place. I've started pulling data down. I've got uh, sort of cron tasks that go in and, and pull data I- into it. Pro- ideally, I would have a designer, somebody with a design sense. That's not one of my strong points. So certainly if you're a front-end person who knows some Rails, that, that would be great to, to work with. So you can, yeah, just re- reach out to me at, at Mark Locklear on Twitter. That's cool. Um, I'm fairly politically involved. I just don't talk about it on these shows because we're talking about programming. Usually, yes, yeah, it's, um, it's usually good, good not to. And so, and I'm not, I, you yeah. know, to me, this is no. pure tech, but yeah. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, you know, just from, yeah, from the point of view of, yeah, how independent are they? Because um, I see the, you know, the right leaning, you know, people who evaluate folks basically saying these people are way extreme over here and i see the left-leaning folks do the same thing to people on the right and so and usually they don't have anything to back it up right it's just like oh you know and so it'd be interesting to yeah here's the voting record here's the algorithm we're using right and so then i can look at it and i go oh i see what i see what you're pulling in i can see how you'd come to that conclusion that's interesting right yeah so Mm -hmm. All right, um, let's go ahead and do picks. Now, I always do a board game pick first. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pick a board game. This one is a little bit more complicated. I feel like the last handful that I've done have been you know, fairly casual games mm-hmm. that most people would play. Uh, this one's a pretty intense game. It's called Arc Nova. Um, and effectively, what you wind up doing is you're uh, buying animals and uh, stuff in your zoo. And... I think last I played it last night with my friends and it took us like three hours to play it. So it's, it's not for the faint of heart, um, but it was super fun. It's, it's just kind of involved and it takes a while to play it. Um, and yeah, so you're, what you wind up doing is you wind up, um, you, you kind of manage your turn and take different actions and uh, you put animals in the zoo. The animals have a 
Um, there are three tracks. There's the um, there's the prestige or the what is it reputation track. There's the conservation track and there's the appeal track. And so you know as you put the animals in the zoo, almost all of them give you appeal. Some of them give you money that you use to you know buy space in your zoo, build space in your zoo for more animals. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to go into play but but it's pretty fun um and yeah this is the second time through that i've played it uh the third time that i've started it and uh i really enjoyed it so it is a 3.72 weight out of five on board game geek and as i'm telling people two is kind of where you get into the semi-complicated game that a casual gamer would still play and so when you get into games like this it's the serious board gamers that want to have like a thinking strategy, you know, intense game. Um, I also have to say that it's so tempting for me to just write like a mobile app or something that keeps track of like all the tracks and everything else so that effectively, you know, I can play on my phone and I can say, okay, um, you know, up the, um, I played this card and it would add, subtract and tell me what else I need to do in order to make sure that I know what's going on. And, you know, I can also tell it what I've done on my board so that at the end of the, you know, cause there, it, there were a few times where we played something and then somebody would go, Oh, I missed this and this. And, you know, we'd always let them go back and do it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just cause there were some complicated pieces to it. So I'm going to pick that. Um, another pick that I have is, um, I'm still doing 75 hard, um, about weeks ago had terrible stuff happen to friends of mine. And so, and I, it it just wiped me out. So I had to start it over, but I'm two weeks in now. Um, and last week doing the workouts and everything, um, I actually lost four pounds and my body fat percentage went down by a percentage point. So I'm pretty thrilled about that. So go check out 75 Hard. It's actually a self-discipline program. It's not a weight loss program, <laughs> but it's one of the side effects because you have to work out as part of your deal. So um, I'm going to pick that. It has an app. The app's a lifesaver because I would forget stuff the first time I did it before there was the app. And I completed it, but I had to remember everything every day. And uh, th- this time it, it makes it real simple to just do. Um, so yeah, so I'm enjoying that. And, uh, there was a new episode of 1923 and, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying that, uh, as well. And then there was something else I was going to pick and I'm into a couple of books on audible. And so, uh, let me just uh, shout out about those real quick. Um, the first one's called everything is figure outable by Marie Forleo and it's, it's awesome. Um, and I, it really made me think about just how many times I just give myself an excuse in the past to not finish something or do something instead of pushing through and finding a way to make it happen. Uh, the other one is The Power of One More, and that was by Ed Milet. And his is more of the do one more lap, do one more push-up, do one more, you know, stick it out for one more day when things are hard. And, uh, you know, he, there are the different chapters go into like, you know, 
uh, one more style leadership, one more style, you know, exercise, one more style. And so he gives you examples of how it plays out in your life. And it really, really inspired me. And so I'm enjoying that as well. And I picked up the book because he was talking about some of these ideas on a call. And this is my last pick. I've picked like six things. I'm sorry. But this last one is um, he. um, So he and Andrew Frizzella, who did the MF CEO Project podcast and now is the uh, Real AF podcast, they're relaunching uh, MF CEO. But Anyway, he, he has a podcast. Um, Andy Frizzell is also the guy who put together 75 Hard. The two guys together have put together a, a, a community called Arate Syndicate. And what it is, is it's a bunch of business people that get together. Um, usually it's just Ed and Andy like answering questions and talking about some of these ideas. And so I picked up the book because, you know, he was talking about some of the ideas and just casually mentioned that he had some of it in that book so i listened to the book and it's awesome we plan on buying both of those books physically and notes in them so uh anyway they, they're terrific i'll put links to all of it in the show notes but yeah um loving that uh mark do you have some picks for us i do have some picks i'm going to pick i have two picks one is going to be and i think i think i bought this headset based on a pick off the show many many years ago but i, I thought i would just come back come back around to it full circle these are logitech h820e headset and what's cool about it is it's they're not bluetooth it's like the old school 802.11 um you know wireless connection so what's great about it is that's something like this or you're not going to walk away but often if i'm in staff meetings or something like that and i'm not playing a huge role and i just need to be there and listen i can mute myself and i can walk all around the house i can walk downstairs and go Put, put clothes from the wash into the dryer. I can even walk out to, to the road and go to the uh, mailbox. So I, I don't know. How, I haven't really seen how far I can go before I lose a <laughs> connection. But if you're, uh, if you're a child of the 80s and you had a wireless phone back then, it probably used that 802.11 uh, wireless standard. So uh, that's one pick. And the other pick is, and surely someone has made this pick in, in the last couple months, but I'm going to say Chet GPT. I... Yesterday, I had the experience of I was having an issue with I had a vagrant box that had MySQL loaded on it, and I've got PHP my admin on my local box, and I was trying to connect to this MySQL instance on this vagrant box from PHP uh, or from yeah from PHP MySQL, and I simultaneously posted on Stack Overflow about the issue that I was having, and then I went into a conversation with Chet. GPT and we went back and forth about 10 times or, or so but I, I chat GPT helped me successfully solve my issue and by then that was probably by the time I went back and looked on Stack Overflow there was still not a response there and um, so I feel like that I feel for me that feels like a milestone moment and um, so I would encourage folks you know surely you, you've heard about it but if you're not you're not using chat GT, gpt or at least experiment with it try it and see but it's it's pretty impressive awesome yeah i've played with it some definitely want to play with it more because i've been doing a, quite a bit of uh writing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i don't know that i would use exactly what chat gpt wrote but i've, I've done a, a couple start. of things with it and it gives me yeah. a solid start yeah yep yep and and then i can 
I can go from there and I can say, okay, you know, this is more how I, you know, I want my voice to come across or how I would say it out loud. And then typically I'm adding in, and this is the story I would tell, right? Yeah. The chat GPT can't pull out of my head. Yeah. And, and so what's also fun, I was going to say, what's also fun, Chuck, when you do that, do it, and then go back and add and do it in the voice of a pirate. And, and so that, that sort of closes the loop on it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The pirate emails. <laughs> Yeah. How about you, Jeremy? What are your picks? I got two picks. The first is a blog post by Clive Thompson. It's called How I Use RSS to Rewild My Attention. And I really love this idea of rewilding your attention instead of having it sort of tied down to a feed um, using RSS that way. Um, It's kind of a throwback in some ways, but in other ways, it's like... uh, a way to kind of get yourself weaned off maybe a little bit of social media and uh, algorithmic feeds. And so I'll, I'll share the link for that. And then I also came across this site. It's a site with articles and a book that goes with it. It's called Good Services. Uh, the site is good.services. And, uh, you know, I do consulting and development for people and I'm thinking about services a lot and what kind of services I offer and how to package those well. And this site has, in the book, I'm excited to get this book and read it, but already I've, reading some of the articles has a really good insight into how to, how to think about the service that you're offering, not just simply the tasks that you're doing, but how it's presented to, um, to your clients, to the people that would buy it, and how to, design, how to properly design an entire service. Um, and thinking about it being a design challenge is kind of interesting. Um, you have a lot of choices that you can make. You can kind of pick some defaults, but there are a lot of choices to make to either you know make for better or for worse for your clients uh, uh, that experience for them. So uh, good good services looks really interesting. I've, I'm already learning some good stuff from that. Excited to pick up the book. Nice. All right. So last question: If people want to connect with you online, where do they find you? For me, uh, t- uh, you, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, it's Jeremy Smith Co. on Twitter and on Ruby Social. And my uh, little one-person uh, dev studio is called Hybrid, H-Y-B-R-D.co. And I am... And you, Mark? And I'm Mark Locklear, M-A-R-K-L-O-C-K-L-E-A-R on most uh, plat- platforms, including Twitter, and my website is locklear.me. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming. This was awesome. Thank yeah, you, Chuck. Great. great. Thank you, yeah. Chuck. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Uh, well, folks, hang in there. Till next time, Max out. <laughs>